Welcome to our podcast, All About the Car, brought to you by Sherrill Tire and Service. I'm your host, Rob Hoffman, an auto service specialist with over 44 years of industry experience. Back with me today are regular guest, Brian Call, a veteran in the automotive industry with over 40 years of experience. Hello, Brian. Hey, Rob. How are we doing today? Excellent. And Bill Sherrill, a guy that's been driving a long, long time and always has a lot of great questions. Hello, Bill. Hi, Rob. How are you? I'm good. Also along with us on the ride is Jody, team leader of our Sherrill Tire and Service in Marshfield. Hey, Jody, welcome back to our studio. Oh, happy to be back. Thank you, Rob. Good to see you. Well, let's hop in, buckle up, and hit the road. Today we're talking about your car's air conditioner. You know, it's often said that we've got it pretty good here in Wisconsin, nestled within the Great Lakes, And with a rough-cut interior made of forests and farms and historic towns, one could say that Wisconsin offers the best of all worlds, especially when it comes to weather. As Wisconsinites, we've all come to appreciate the four seasons. There is, however, one season that can get a little uncomfortable for us northern folk, and that's summer. This is when it's time to turn on the air conditioner. It's that first time of the season when you hit that button turn on the air conditioner and hoping, gosh, I'm sure hoping it works because I really need it right now. How do you know it's working, Brian? I mean, when you hit that button for the first time in the season, how do you know it's really going to do what you need it to do? By the temperature coming out the air. Um, It's really as simple as that. If it's nice and cold, it's working good. So you just want to feel that difference, almost that refrigerated feel. Yeah, it should be feel like 20 to 30 degrees colder than what it is in the car. So it's going in to take that heat out and get it out of the car and make it comfortable for you. Jody, have you hit that button yet this season? Yeah, we have. Oh. Uh, last week, we've had a few calls. Yesterday, we actually had a few more. It's, start, it's that season. We went from uh, winter to now main summer. <laughs> summer. summer. No in between. Yeah. No. <laughs> Hello, AC. So you've hit the button in your vehicle, too? You've got a Jeep, right? Yeah, I do. But no, I haven't. You haven't hit it yet. No. No. How about you, Bill? I have. Okay, yes, so you, you, certainly. you like that comfort. I did. That's why you get it. <laughs> Might as well use it. Absolutely. So when did air conditioning even first begin? Well, air conditioning, I think, goes way back to the early 40s. As a matter of fact, 1940, if I remember correctly, Packard, the Packard brand actually came out with air conditioning, which is crazy to think about back in those days. And that was a factory item for that car. And then by 1969, more than half of the cars sold were equipped with air conditioning. I almost don't remember seeing that much air conditioning on cars, but 50% of them is a pretty good amount of cars. I'm surprised the number's that high. I am too. We had 455 air conditioning, four windows down, 55 <laughs> miles an hour. That was the norm. That was the kind I had back in the day. <laughs> yes, That's 100%. for sure. <laughs> but now, do they even sell vehicles without air conditioning? Very small percentage. I think everybody's pretty much got accustomed to it. I think the industry's gotten good at making them and making them work right. And I think almost all cars come out with them. I think that's just the way it is. I don't think I've seen one in years that has not been equipped with air conditioning. And now the new thing is the whole ventilated seats, right? Air conditioned seats. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about that. So my wife and her SUV has those ventilated seats or they call it air conditioned seats, I think in the Ford. Yeah, it is. How the heck does that work? There's duct work down underneath the lower seat in the back and it's actually blowing cold air and it's porous enough that it allows the airflow to come through and cool you off. So that kind of just comes up from underneath you. Yep. That's the perfect angle. <laughs> <laughs> really? 
Joe, do you got those on your vehicle? No. Oh. And if I do, I don't know that I have it. <laughs> it's time to trade it in and get one with air-conditioned seats, ventilated seats. Do you have heated seats? No. What? Eh, you probably don't have them then. <laughs> no, no. Mine's plain Jane, and I'm okay with that. But yeah, like Brian said before, it's going 55 miles an hour with windows down. <laughs> You know, those ventilated seats have been around for a while. As a matter of fact, back in 98, from my research, the Saab came out with a ventilated seat. Which is amazing. The infiltration of new vehicles has taken a really long time to get there. It really has. And then, of course, the ventilated or air-conditioned seats, what would come next? And that would be hot and cool seats. Right. And Lincoln came out with that first in 2000. So Soon they're going to have, I mean, I don't know how they'll do it, but a cooled Steering wheel. Since they have heated steering wheels, <laughs> right. but a cold steering wheel for even the majority of the people who, not necessarily up here, but in the South, that would definitely be a value. That's a little more complicated than that. Yeah, you know. put a heating element in the steering wheel to get it to heat. It's kind of tough to put ductwork in there. Yeah. There's no cooling element? No. <laughs> <laughs> the one I'm surprised they don't have is cup holders. Oh, right. Very cool. good. Oh, here we right. go. Brian, that's your retirement right there. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I would think that'd be simple enough to do to put some ducks down. That should be easy, actually. I would think it would yeah, be. Just going up and surrounding the cup? Absolutely. For those of us that don't drink coffee. <laughs> right. <laughs> We talked a little bit about how the cooled seats works, and that's just amazing to me. That's technology at its finest. But how does air conditioning work? I mean, to many people, that's a magical thing. Hitting that button and all of a sudden, voila, we've got that creature comfort cool going on. How does that all work? And I know that's a big question. It can get pretty deep pretty in that, deep. Co- in that well, question. Well, that's why we're sitting here talking. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's a big refrigerator or a big dehumidifier. There's a compressor on there that creates pressure and a low pressure system at the same time. And with that pressure differential, the refrigerant that's in there, no matter what style it is, absorbs that heat under a low pressure and then goes outside the car under a high pressure and dissipates the heat through the the condenser out in front of the radiator. That's pretty technical. We can go deeper than that too if you want. (laughs) But it's just heat exchange. It's taking it from one area and moving it over to another area. Okay, so it's taking the heat out of the equation, basically, yep. or the humidity in a lot of it's, cases. It's a dehumidifier also, so, so it what's pulls the, that moisture out of the air, too. Okay, so the heat and moisture are two different things, obviously, mm-hmm. but yep. it does both. It does both at the same time, just like a dehumidifier or a refrigerator in your house. And that's why you get drips yep. from... You get big puddles underneath the car on a really humid day. Got it. It's pulling that moisture out of inside the cabin and getting it out of there through some duct work. If the duct is blocked and it won't drain, you go around the corner, you can actually hear the water slosh from side to side in that reservoir that it's got in the duct work. You can get damp floors. The water can leak inside if it's not doing it correctly. That must be that musty smell that a lot of people talk about. Yeah, it's mold actually down on the evaporator core because it's such a damp condition that mold will actually start. And there's chemicals to get rid of that. Cabin air filters have really helped that too. Makes sense. Jody, what is the, you know, like when somebody comes in and says, my air conditioning doesn't work, what typically do you find is the problem or how do you repair that? A mass majority of it, I would say, is because the freon is low. 
Matter of fact, yesterday we had one. It was an older vehicle, and it was completely empty. The system was empty. That definitely won't work, huh? Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> but we've also found, even on certain vehicles, well, probably most of them, even if it fluctuates an ounce or two, it may or may not work. If you're over full, it won't work. If you're under, it won't work either. So if the pound, uh, every vehicle recommends a certain amount of ounces or a pound in ounces, so if it's, let's say it's supposed to be one pound, six ounces, and it's one pound, four ounces, it may not work and get, you may not get the coolness. So if even if it's over that, um, same thing. So we had a vehicle a few years ago that it kept coming back, and we thought we had it exactly was, and here we found out that it was fluctuating with the ounce or ounce or half ounce or really whatever Really sensitive it was. then, very mm-hmm. sensitive. Yep. So very, how do very... I know what my air conditioning fluid is at? Well, you'll have to go to a shop. What they do, what we do, we have a process in place when that happens. Where we start is we actually would take several steps, but taking the Freon out, we measure what was taken out. We can actually look it up to see what your system actually recommends. We go through our whole system check, which I'm sure we'll go through in a little while, and then we put back in what we took out for yours. And if you need to add it, we take care of that as well. Got it. So it does get pretty technical. That's why we have technicians. Right. <laughs> and do you flush it or clean it or do you always put new stuff in? Well, we evacuate out what was in the system. We measure that. We can put that back in and then we, we do have new stuff well, new stuff that we put back in as well. That's filtered when it comes out. The machine filters it to make sure there's no water in there or any impurities. So let's talk about real world here to all of our drivers and listeners out there. So the air conditioning is working now. We hit that button for the first time. We're starting to enjoy life. It's getting hot outside. What's the best way to get the most out of that air conditioner? What I mean by that is what you were referring to earlier, Bill, that when you get into a hot car, how do you cool it down the fastest? What's the best method of that? Now, the way I like to do it is roll the windows down for a minute or so just to get that really superheated air out of there. Yeah, I'm sitting on a blacktop parking lot. It can be 140 degrees inside that car real easily. So as you're moving, just Bring the windows down. Yep. Get it out as fast as you can. Usually a minute or so. And then roll the windows up and put the air conditioner on high and recirculate. So it's cooling the air that's inside the cabin and not introducing hot air from the outside. I used to only think that the, the recirculate was for if I was in traffic and I didn't want to have all the everybody else's exhaust to come in. It's conditioning the air that's already in the cabin instead of re- introducing let's say 95 degree air from the outside with 90% humidity, it's going to make that system work that much harder. That, I assume, works for the same philosophy of in the winter to heat up your car. Hmm. I never thought about it that way. I remember uh, years and years and years ago, the conversations that would come about, am I better off from a fuel mileage standpoint, driving with the windows down, down the highway where you do get that constant exchange of air if the windows are down, versus having the windows up and enjoying that air conditioning. What's the philosophy today with today's cars? They're so aerodynamic nowadays that having the air conditioner on and the windows closed will give you better fuel economy than having the windows open and air conditioning off. So That's com- good to know, and I want to feel better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. You don't want to feel guilty about using right. it. <laughs> Comes back to your previous statement. If you got it, use it, right? Absolutely. So let's lay that one to rest. Keep the windows on a warm day. Keep the windows up and the air conditioning on and just enjoy the ride. Absolutely. 
Speaking of enjoying the ride, every time that we get together for an All About the Car podcast, we always take a Wisconsin road trip. So we take a break, we hop back into the car, and we head out to a popular Wisconsin destination. And today, we are traveling to the Milwaukee area, and we're going to enjoy the Seven Mile Fair. So we filled our wallets with some cash, maybe a credit card, and we're going to do some shopping. So this is down in southeast Wisconsin, about 30 miles north of the Illinois border. So it's kind of a road trip, no doubt about it. 10 minutes south of the Mitchell International Airport. So you can fly there if you really wanted to and didn't want to hop in the car. <laughs> <laughs> but just off of I-94, so easy to get to. Jody, you've been there. I have. Tell us. It is actually an experience that I think everybody should go through. Now, did you have a pedometer? Because is it really seven miles? Did you walk I around? didn't, but if you went in and out of it, there's three huge buildings uh -huh. and a big outside area that is fenced in. If you literally watched, probably walked every single aisle and all around everything, I'd say it's it's seven miles. It's a lot. Okay, good. It's interesting because they call it the seven mile fair, but it really is just one big shopping extravaganza, right? That's really Correct. what you, you're not going to go there and go on rides or anything. No, like that. they do have, um, well, of course, I didn't go in it because I didn't have any little kids along, but they do have an area where there is a playground for kids inside awesome. one of the buildings. Nice. And this has been going since 1961. So this isn't anything new out there. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners have been there. I haven't been there. I know my wife would probably love to go, so we're going to have to have a side conversation on that. Absolutely. I've driven by it numerous, numerous times. Never stop because I think for some reason, like you're going away for the weekend and you're usually going down on a Friday or something. And it just doesn't ever seem to be open because I think most these days, it's open on Saturdays and Sundays. Correct. Looks very interesting. It is. It is. Actually, David and I went a couple years ago. I'd like to go back when the whole thing is open to see everything. They only had a few vendors that were set up outside. Right. But yeah, it was definitely interesting. You want old car parts? Really? Uh, oh yeah. Everything. It, yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. It was very, very interesting. Let's go read a short excerpt here. Seven mile fair. Wisconsin is a place to find real bargains from farm fresh produce to great gifts, home garden and hobby items, and even the latest children's games. There you go. Bring the whole family mm -hmm. and electronics. They're a one-stop shop for everything that your family needs all year round. Hundreds of vendors, and they say don't miss our NASCAR jackets and sports memorabilia, tools and car audio systems, just everything, just about everything you can absolutely imagine. Produce, that just blows me away. That's just everything. They had a lot of that right outside, one of the side ones, anything you can imagine. And from what I understand, they're open year-round. So in the wintertime, they're under under the roof in a building. And then in summer, poof, it explodes. Everything goes outside. This will have to be a destination on a Sunday afternoon on the way back from, you know, like Milwaukee or Chicago. And Absolutely. make sure you get there as soon as the doors open because it's, it's going to take you that long. <laughs> <laughs> and the exciting part about it, you don't have to spend a ton of money to spend money there. Two no. bucks for, uh, what, ages 12 and up to get in. So just a small price to pay to get in and enjoy a pretty much a full day oh, they it looks also like you're a dollar to get in rob <laughs> oh not yeah it depends on senior yep <laughs> they also have right and i believe it was in the center building because there's three of them they actually have a food court there that was quite interesting it was very awesome. good very very good. good awesome sounds fun definitely putting that on my list and i think everybody here in the room is going to do the same so excellent we'll have to check that out the seven mile fair 
Well, back in the car and back to business with our air conditioning podcast all about the car. We're going to get into a little more of the nitty gritty at this point. And I know every vehicle has its own, I guess, controls and settings on the dash and how you operate that air conditioning. And obviously we can't get into every single one of those, but what are some of the more common setups for air conditioning? I know climate control to kick it off is one thing, but there's probably many different climate controls. The climate control, you set it at a certain temperature and it's designed to keep the cabin at that temperature. Most of them have a driver's and passenger temperature setting, so it can be two different settings. So it's taking multiple computers and trying to create a stable atmosphere, I guess, inside the car. That's really about as good as it gets. I mean, you set it and you're good to go and it's it's going to keep it at that point. You're not increasing, decreasing, pressing buttons and going as you changing as you go down the road. That's what it's made for. In the climate control, do you know if it controls the vent selection? You know, like whether mm-hmm. it's coming at your face, your feet, or through the defrost area. Yep. It determines what's needed and it'll come out through either the vent in the dash or possibly up on the windshield. Wow. And then you referred to different settings for the driver and the passenger too. So yep. you've got that all within that particular type of control system. And some vehicles have air conditioning in the rear. So that's not just the air getting to the rear of the inside of the vehicle, but it's actually coming out of the rear. Is that correct? Correct. It's got a fan back there that helps get the cool air to the rear. The vans, your SUVs, your CUVs are typically the ones that have that. Cars typically won't have that. So it can get the whole cabin cooler and more comfortable for everybody. So if you ride with your dog in the back, that's a perfect setup, Yep, perfect Fido, scenario. Fido can have some nice cool air too. Awesome. Ride with your pet for sure. Uh, questions that often had come up, is it good to, in the fall, not to do or service anything with your air conditioning because you're not going to be using that for a while, but the theory is, and maybe it's more, I'm sure it's more than a theory, does your car use the air conditioning in the winter? Yep, absolutely. It does. Yep. When you're in the defrost mode, almost all cars, the air conditioner comes on. It acts as a dehumidifier, so you're pulling the moisture out before it goes up onto the windshield and creating fog or condensation up there, freezing up. So it's designed to work year-round. So if your air conditioner, if you decide to let it go when it quits working for any reason, car gets older, Defrosting could be a challenge in the wintertime. Absolutely. Well, that's a good thing that, to keep in mind. That makes total sense now that moist air isn't being blown across a cold windshield yeah. and making frost. And we've all seen it where you take yeah. the scraper yeah, and it's inside. inside. I, 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 now I understand back in the old day, like how you got frost on the inside of your windows. Now let's talk a little bit about when we hit that button for the first time and it doesn't get cool. You don't notice a difference. It feels like the same temperature as before you hit that button. And Jody, you referred to this earlier about the process that you would go through when you search out automotive service center that can service air conditioning. Where does a person go and how do they take care of this? Well, go to your local shop, whoever you trust, what you want to do. Most, I would assume most of them do it. I shouldn't say assume, but probably most do. Uh, We have a process in place where we call air conditioning maintenance service. What that includes is, and it's usually about an hour process from the start to finish of this. When we bring the vehicle in, we inspect all of your dry belts, check your vent temp, which Brian mentioned earlier. Uh, We check it on the high and the low side. We measure the Freon of what we mentioned, what I said earlier. We evacuate and then we recharge your system. Clean everything out, 
put it in there. We check the temperature. We check and we put a dye in the system as well because sometimes it might not be visual that it's leaking or like we mentioned earlier, Bill, that it's not working and it's high or low. We'll put a dye in the system. We usually recommend to come back in about a week so we can check that. But the free system recheck within about 10 days, it says two weeks on our sheet, but we usually recommend about 10, 10 to 14 days. We put up in our air conditioning service, we put up to a pound of Freon back into your system. So let's say your system is one pound, six ounces, for instance, and it was completely empty. We would put up to that pound back in and then you would just get charged for that extra six ounces. So how heavy is Freon since you're talking pounds and stuff like a pound of Freon? Is that a gallon jug? Like how much Freon is actually in my vehicle? That's quite the question. That's a good question. <laughs> like you're talking, talking pounds. pounds ounces. Yeah, I mean, how much fluid is that? From a space perspective, it's not that much. The refrigerants, they go from a gas to a liquid state very easily. So depending on the state or what the matter is, it, obviously a gas is going to take up a lot more area right. than a liquid. But the actual capacity in comparison to a milk jug, I can't tell you that. I don't know. But as time has gone on, because of environmental concerns, the refrigerants have changed over the years, and the capacity has changed also. We dial this back into the 70s. R12 was the primary refrigerant that was used, and five pounds was nothing. Almost every car took that or more. When we went to R134, which is a more environmentally friendly type refrigerant, the capacities went down to about two pounds, so about half. And now the new refrigerant, the R1234YA, or YF, a pound is pretty typical. And it's even more environmentally friendly. So we're getting to the not environmentally safe, but definitely a lot better for the environment over the course of the last 40, 50 years. Clear as mud, Brian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Long answer to your question. Well, there's less of it. Yep. But it could be heavier. I won't even go there to think about like how heavy something is. And five pounds could be the same volume, but we won't go there. So there's a pound my, of feathers a or a pound yeah, exactly, of gold right? Exactly. <laughs> so Jody, back to your comments on where to start with that vehicle that where the air conditioning is not working. So pretty much what you're doing, from what I gathered in your shop, your technicians are giving the vehicle everything it needs to operate correctly, and then from there you look for a fault if there is one. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. Part of that was a visual check. You're checking the belts to make sure everything's turning and all that. Some of these things for our do-it-yourselfers can be actually physically or visually checked by the owner of the car. They uh, could if they know what they're looking at. We do have guests that come in that say, hey, I recharged my system, but they don't know what they have currently in their system. Ooh. They don't know what their system actually recommends. That doesn't sound like a good idea. I wouldn't recommend no. it. But they could look at their dry belts. They could open the hood and safely open the hood while the vehicle's running and see that everything's turning correctly and maybe listening for the normal noises that an air compressor turning on and off will make. And sometimes it's a little click or some noises. They could kind of coming back to where we started the podcast, just putting your hand up on the vent to see if it's actually changing the air temperature. I mean, a few things, but... To go any further than that, I think these days it takes an automotive technician. Unfortunately, there's a lot of bad refrigerants out there, people trying to cut costs. One of the components that these rogue-type refrigerants is propane. 
Well, that sounds dangerous. It is. It's a fire hazard if we were to get in an accident. So you really got to make sure you know what you're buying if you're going to attempt it yourself. A lot of the aftermarket kits have sealants in it, which sounds great. Sounds like it's going to seal up, make sure it doesn't leak anymore. But we may not be able to work on it afterwards so because that sealant would ruin our machine. The repair in a can, so to say, is not necessarily the the right way to go. Okay. Yep, and we actually had that not too long ago, Brian. We're with one of our machines. It is really highly recommended if someone does try to recharge their system, please let your local mechanic shop know what you actually did prior to us touching up. Is there any way to be proactive with this? Rather than just taking that shot every springtime by hitting the magic button, is there a way to perform maintenance or service on the air conditioner to kind of get ahead of the game, such as doing oil changes on your car, that type of thing. Is there anything to be done? Nope. Nope. It's all self-contained. There's no maintenance work to do other than like a cabin air filter to help with the musty smell. Outside of that, no. What I'm hearing here is we're better off leaving it to the pros. Really, if you're going to have your air conditioning maintained and repaired for the long haul. Sounds like you're better off seeking out an automotive technician that's certified in AC. Absolutely. Well, we learned a lot today about your car's air conditioner and cleared up all the mystery surrounding this magical component that keeps you cool on your summer road trips. We hope to have you right along next time on All About the Car. To listen to previous episodes, find additional resources, or to simply send us a message, head to allaboutthecarpodcast.com. We'll see you next time.